Thank you so much for joining us, and we're very grateful to have you with us right now. That was good. Do you have a face for radio? Um, we forget about the fact that whenever these things happen it really does hit us right in the face about the fact that there is a judgment coming this is not the final judgment yeah but there is one coming and i think it it should remind us we're thinking about repentance coming back to god because there there is a return of Christ in judgment coming. We should be, and as Christians, we are called to be sober, alert, and ready for his return, right? Welcome today to Following Him. Following Him is the new discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal here together as we uh, sit around the table is to encourage thoughtful discussion around the, about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. In, in starting this new podcast, our goal is to help us um, as a congregation, listeners and us around the table today, to help you to think about what we believe as Christians, why it matters, why we believe those things, but also we want to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC, to all the various individuals and the, the services and the ministries that are part of our church family here at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church in Monroe, Michigan. So thank you so much for being with us. It's or I'm really glad that we could uh, be together and, uh, and listen and to um, talk together about these important issues. Uh, sitting around the table with me today, I've got uh, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor of MMBC. Hi, Tim. Hey, Spencer. I've also got Pastor Scott Slater. He's the family pastor here at MMBC. Hey, hey. Good to have you, brother. And also Pastor Matt Bates, music and media pastor. Hello. And I'm Spencer Snow, Discipleship Pastor. Everybody's doing good today? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. It's been a lot of fun recording stuff all over. We found out that um, some of us are really good with the camera and others of us are, are not so good. But it's, it's, uh, it's good to be around the table together and to chat and to do this today. Um, well, today we want to talk about what is on everyone's mind. We want to talk about the coronavirus. Um, all of us are shut in at home. We're sitting in a cold sanctuary today, which hasn't been used for two weeks now. Um, people all around the world and all throughout our nation and state are affected. People are working from home if they're even able to work. Many people are now unemployed. They're staying at home, separated from others. They can't go to church. They can't see their grandparents in some cases. They can't see friends. Uh, birthday parties and funerals are affected. Uh, they can't go to sporting events. They can't watch March Madness. They can't go to big gatherings. Schools are shut down and kids are at home and parents are going crazy. And so governments around the world are all working together to mitigate this crisis. And, uh, and so we find ourselves in a really crazy situation. And, uh, and it's in the midst of all of this that we're trying um, to uh, work together and to uh, live as families and everything. How's everybody doing at home? Like, what's it like at your house, Tim? Chaos. Chaos. Pretty much. <laughs> no, it's good. I can't yeah. complain. Yeah, I've enjoyed the time I've had at home. It's impossible to work from home. My wife and I are finding out. It's just, yeah. it's just how it is. You right. know, with the, we have five kids at home running around the house like crazy, but I would be bored to death if we didn't have kids. Right, right. <laughs> so. Kids make it fun. What about you, Matt? I'm the exact opposite. 
<laughs> it is so boring at home. There is nothing to do. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff to do, but like it's it's a lot easier at home to just watch the TV. Right, right. Watch a movie, put on a movie, or read a book. Sure, sure. What about you, brother? Scott? Yeah, I mean, we've had to rethink a new normal of what that looks like for us, and most days we're just praying that it'll be warm outside <laughs> so we can send the kids, out, kids outside for a while and, yeah, and take a walk around the neighborhood or something. So as long as it's not raining, we'll be outside. <laughs> Running around, um, handling the shutdown, um, you know, and you have to be creative about the activities that you, yeah. that you do with your children now because the number of activities that you usually do has to, uh, has to now increase because people get bored with those things like, the, like <laughs> they were before. Mm-hmm. So it's a crazy situation. And, and I think that one of the things that as we, as we deal with this, this is something that's very unique in all of our lives. I don't think anybody has experienced anything like this in our lifetime, at least. And so as we, as we deal with this and we think about the shutdown, we think about the fact that it looks like now we're going to be shut down, or at least the guidelines for the federal guidelines are in place till April 30th. Now, as we, we look at another month of, um, of restrictions as a society, we look at all of this and we're, we're thinking about how should we as Christians understand this? How do we think about this? Because it's interesting. I was looking on the New York Times and uh, there's an article that actually asked the question, where is God in a pandemic? Where is God at in the midst of all of this? Where is he at? Um, Pastor Scott, if you were to go up to someone in Meyer today, remaining six feet away from them, of course, <laughs> but you were to go up to them and ask them, where is God in all of this? What do you think they would say? I think they'd be kind of at a loss for words. Uh, not sure how to answer that question. I mean, that's that's something that should be on their mind, um, I suppose. But I mean, I would say that their their answer might be that somehow he's in control. I think a lot of people, at least that I've talked to or seen, still has a positive view of God in all of this. That he still has some sense of control, but it's it's us that doesn't have a good understanding of what that might be or what that purpose is. So I would hope to have a positive outlook on on that in that way, I guess. Do you think most people feel like God's in control of this? Or do you feel like, I mean, are they even thinking about God? I think more are probably thinking about him now than more before. Huh. Maybe not the correct way. Um, you hear more talk about it, I would say, in general. But I don't know if people are sitting there thinking, oh, God's in control of all this. I think you see a group of people who don't believe in God, and so they're not too concerned about that. They think this is, you know, evolution's way of dealing with things, how it deals with it. Uh, You have others who do believe in God, and they think this is God's judgment, maybe, Mm. on people, Um, maybe for something specific or not. Um, Those two camps are probably on the ends of the spectrum, I'd say, that are warring against each other, and then you'll find a bunch of people in the middle somewhere. Mm. Right. Matt, what do you think about, like, why do people, it's interesting, like after like 9-11 um, or other major catastrophes, people are always asking this question. Like this is the question that always comes up anytime anything bad, disastrous, catastrophic happens. People are always asking, where is God? Because it brings them back to reality. I think that's what it is. Uh, there's a, right now there's a real sense of just, a, you know, surreal. But I think, you know, the, the question here, where is God in the coronavirus pandemic, is almost kind of assuming that people think that God has gone somewhere, hmm. you know, that he has left and is now, you know, not in control of things. So 
no, I think, uh, I think God is in control. So maybe, I'm not saying the question is wrong, but I think there's an assumption in the question that God has left. Yeah. Well, it's hard to answer that question, right? Because we have different types of people. You have some people who don't think about God ever. Mm. And now all of a sudden it's forced into their reality. Yeah. Right? Like what, what is going on here? And it's forced into their reality because they might not ever think of God because they feel like they have a sense of control yeah. in their life. Mm-hmm. And when something like this happens where they realize, oh, I ultimately don't have control, you know, things in my life, my job, you know, uh, healthcare, my church, you know, in meeting together can all be changed in less than a week. And so all of a sudden when something happens that shows that I actually don't have complete control over my life, I think that opens people up to thinking about, oh, there is someone that I've heard of that has control. I've heard that God can be in control. It just opens up their thinking. I think so too. I think that uh, we talked earlier uh, today about the fact that um, in a world where everyone's truth is your truth and whatever, this all of a sudden hits us right in the face, right in the forehead, right right between the eyes. The fact that there is truth and um, and there is falsehood. There are objectives in the world. We cannot get away from that. And I think that's interesting that every single time a major catastrophe happens, the first person we go to and start asking the question, well, where in the world is he, is the one person we never ask that other times. It's interesting. Like, why do we not ask this question whenever great blessings happen? So, yeah. like, mm. let me ask you this. when the If, if and we're going to be hopeful, and I'm assuming somewhat, that there is going to be a vaccine eventually discovered for this, when the vaccine comes... Well, people then say, where is God in the coronavirus vaccine? And praise him for that. No, we're glory hogs. <laughs> I mean, and so when blessings come, we want credit. Our people want credit, right? I mean, that's our pride. That's our human nature. It's just running rampant in our life. And so, you know, we'll praise the doctor that came up with it. We'll praise the philanthropist who gave money uh, to go towards it. But very few people will praise God for giving somebody the wisdom and the knowledge to come up with that or to, or how, I mean, just the, I don't know this in great detail. I'm no expert, but just the complications of being able to find viruses and solve the problems to it. That's a, that's a God thing that God has created uh, the planet with order, right? There's right. order in it and there's answers to these things. It's not just all chaos and chaotic, uh, but people won't recognize that maybe for a little bit. I, you know, just like with, uh, with nine 11, Right. You know, it was all about God for a while, all these things, but slowly it fades away. Slowly people forget about it and it, it just stops. And I'm sure this will be the same way. Right. Right. Sad to say. I mean, what does this reveal about us as people? Like the fact that we're willing to ask this question about God whenever bad things happen, but when good things happen, we don't ask the question. What does that say about us? Again, it's our arrogance. I don't want to keep answering the questions. But it's our arrogance, right? It's our complete pride, our complete self-righteousness and self-gratification. That's just, that's what we are about. And as Christians, it's what we have to fight all the time. And non-Christians simply don't fight that, right? Right. They actually feed into that. It's, it's, It's good to do that. It's what gets you ahead. Right. Right. So, so Matt, where is God in all this? Well, he's right here. I, I mean, I don't think he's gone anywhere. Uh, just people have 
you know, don't look to him or, or don't realize he's here. But I mean, us as Christians, we know that God isn't gone anywhere. Uh, we know that he works through suffering. We know that he works through all kinds of things. Um, so I would say he's still here and he's still working. And whether we have to deal with, you know, being in quarantine for, you know, a month, two months, whatever it may be, uh, we don't lose hope. We know that God is actually doing things through this. Mm. I mean, did God allow this to happen, Scott? I think we have to say yes. I mean, it, nothing is outside of God's control, and it did happen. So, I mean, he's not surprised by it. You know, he knows that it's there. He knows it's coming. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen every day that aren't necessarily good things, but God in his providence and wisdom knows what's going on. Right, so he's in control of all this. He allows it to happen, and and he decided. I mean, in deciding to allow it, he decided that it it would happen. The question, where is God, almost assumes like uh, this caught God off hand, right? Like he he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he was surprised by it. <laughs> he's yeah. surprised. Oh no, the coronavirus. <laughs> um, can we explain all of this? Why did he allow it to happen? If someone was to say, well, okay, so why, why, and again, can you explain it to me? What would you say? Man, I <laughs> I, mean, I think that... I think you can boil it down to one word. I mean, sin, right? Uh, simple as that. Uh, not some individual sin in China, right? He sinned and did this, and now he got this and caused his birth. I, just general sin and the general result of sin and living in a fallen world. There's going to be calamity. There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be all these things taking place. And this falls right in line with that, right? And it just, again, shows us the extent of sin and what has happened to this world because of it. You put yourself, I think, in a really dangerous situation when you start adopting the posture of asking God why. Mm. And maybe not asking him why. I think that's a reasonable thing to do, mm. to ask God why he would do something. But when you start demanding mm. an answer mm. yeah, right. as if God is answerable to you, you put yourself in a really dangerous situation with the creator as a creature that has been created. Mm. And so we can ask the question, you know, why God? But I think that we need to be content and knowing that we might not get an answer to that until we're with him in glory. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's almost like we're that kid. We all have the, the child at home who has kids who ask why to everything, <laughs> right? Why? Why this? Well, it's got to be done this way. I know, but why? And it does as a parent almost feels like, listen, kid, I'm, I know better than you. So be quiet. Like that's how you start to feel. You almost feel like they're trying to take over your authority or something by asking (laughs) these questions. But that essentially is what we do. Like you were saying, right. With God, Mm -hmm. why is this? You need to answer to me, Mm -hmm. not me to you, you to me right now, God, Mm -hmm. tell me why this is taking place. Yeah. Right. It calls us to submit, submit to him and to trust his heart. Doesn't it? Um, so, if we can't give a specific explanation for why all of this happens, what's the point? I mean, we've already pointed out the fact that you said, uh, Tim, the fact that um, it doesn't mean that someone specifically sinned, right? We see that in John 9, right, That where the disciples say, well, did this guy sin or did his parents mm-hmm. that he was that he was born blind, right? And uh, Jesus says it wasn't either of those, but that, that God's glory could be manifested. So on the one hand, we know that... God um, doesn't, like, we, we can't draw one-to-one corollaries, can we, about the fact that someone gets sick or this happens because of someone's specific sin. Um, 
And also, on the other hand, we know that good people sometimes suffer, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see people in the Bible like in Job. Um, Job is a righteous man. He, he suffers, not because of anything wrong that he's done, but God uses suffering for good purposes. Um, but does God have anything to say to me in suffering, even if I don't suffer? Um, one of the passages that comes to my mind is Luke chapter 13. Um, you remember the passage there where um, the, the, the people come up to Jesus, right, and they, they tell him about the, uh, the people who had died there. I believe it was the, uh, the, yeah, the Galileans. The tower. Yeah, and, yeah. And, Gal- mm-hmm. and the Galileans whom Pilate had killed, and, and they tell him about this, and Jesus tells them, he says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Tim, what is repentance? Oh, repentance is turning from sin, right? Uh, part of that first is addressing your sin, that it is sin, mm. and recognizing that you're a sinner. And then uh, biblically, looking to God who's provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sin in Christ. Mm. And so then what we're called to do as believers is to turn away from our sin and to be holy, he even says, be holy. And so God has put within us through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in our life. And that should be a, a, a frequent part of our life is trying to repent of our sin and to understand you know, the depth of sin in our life. Right as we as we grow in our faith, I think as we grow as Christians, we realize more and more how much sin impacts our day to day decisions mm. and just our day to day being. You know, when you're when you're first saved, when you're younger, maybe it's the big things that you think about. You know, I stole a pencil, I kicked my brother, or when you're first saved, maybe it's the language that you use, things like this. Um, but I think as you grow, you start to see more like what we've been talking about of your selfishness and the decisions that you make, right? The pride that you suffer with. You just really start to see the brokenness that you have because of of sin. And so repentance isn't like this one-time act. It's just something that God is constantly walking us through, and we need to be faithful as Christians to follow through with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there, there's the two. We have to walk these these between this uh, thing, right? We can't be too specific, but then on the other hand, we have this general way. Um, we talk about providence, which is God's control of all things. And and trying to interpret providence can be very tricky business and we very hazardous, and we don't want to be um, trying to interpret all sorts of little things. At the same time, Jesus gives us a general principle, right? Mm-hmm. That um, whenever bad things happen, catastrophes it should drive us, like he says here, to examine ourselves, right? I mean, to uh, to repent, to to come near to God. Um, is God drawing near to us through pandemics? Yeah, I mean, I think he is. I mean, you know, you can just see that. I mean, like we've already said, people are asking the question, you know. Uh, I mean, I think God uses times like this to wake people up to the reality, whether that be you know, letting them, you know, ask the question of where is God in all this or um, just asking if he's in control 
um, or what's going on or, uh, like if they're, if it's a, f- a person that's working on the front lines, you know, uh, in a hospital or a doctor's office that's working with these patients that they know can get them sick or that they could take sickness to their families. They start asking questions about life and death and, you know, what's going to happen to me, you know, in this time. And so God can use all that to draw us near to him. I think, yes. Um, I think it should make us long too for perfection. Hmm. You know, you look at God, God created everything and he said it was good and there was perfection there. Right. And Adam and Eve in the garden and walking with the Lord in the evening and just this peace and this abundance and God allowing Adam to work in the garden and be a part and all this stuff. And then sin came and just absolutely disrupted everything. And so when something like this happens or something personally happens in your life that just causes chaos, that causes disruption within your family, I think one of the things it should do for us as believers is to cause us to long for the day when everything is brought back and restored Mm -hmm. to the way it was created. And, you know, we might not have all the answers of why this is happening. We might not have the answers of when will everything be restored. We, we don't know those things, but we do know that God promises to restore all things back to himself. And so we long for that day when that can happen again. And, and if anything, I think these pandemics, these things should drive our evangelism, should drive our heart for the mission that God has called us to, uh, because we don't know those times. I don't know when the Lord will return. You know, I I don't know those things, but I know I have today, right? I know I have now. I know we're facing what we're facing, and I know the promises of God is to restore everything. And so I need to let people know that, right? Um, and so it's good to long for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I think this should do is cause us to long for him and those promises to come quickly. Yeah, I think one of the things this does is it reminds us that we still live in a fallen world. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Matt here the other day and um, I uh, about my uh, talking with my mentor. And one of the things he talked about is in uh, Kenya, <clears throat> they've had famine and then the locusts mm. have come. And now, you know, perhaps a pandemic starting to come. Point is, is we forget that in the United States of America, we kind of live in a magical kingdom. Mm. This like is Disney. Not the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, Disney shut down now, so we're yeah. in trouble. Oh, okay. Oh boy. But but you but know Kenya what? Deal, deals with it on a like a da- not a daily basis, but like Yearly, you know, an annually seems. annually basis. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I mean, do you think that's maybe one reason that more developed nations become more secular over oh, for time? Sure. Hmm. You know, it's like we're talking about how like this event is making people have questions about God, wonder about things like eternity and death and life and ask the big picture questions when we have all these comforts and all these protections around us, we don't have to think about those things. Mm. Absolutely. But like where you have somebody in a third world country that's dealing with famine, plague, uh, insects coming, destroying mm-hmm. crops, mm-hmm. you know, this is a reality for them, yeah. you know? And so it's like the, the further away you get from that, you get more towards a secularized culture. And I think it all comes back to, we feel like we have a sense of control Mm -hmm. over our existence. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You don't have to go outside every day and pray that God would let it rain to water your garden so that you guys can eat. Right. Or pray. All right, God, I'm getting ready to go into the woods. Please bring some game by me so that I can have something to bring home to my family. Mm. We just don't have that reliance on God every day Mm. here where we live. 
our biggest complaint is if there's some drought, man, strawberries are $3 instead of $2. I mean, that's really our biggest thing, right? I can still get strawberries. I can still go get grapes. I can still get these things. It just costs a little bit more. And so very few people have to wake up and say, I don't know where my daily bread is coming from. But we're not too far removed from when that was everybody's thought. You know, is my garden going to grow? Is God going to, are the locusts going to come and eat everything? Lord, protect us. And this just, those people had a huge reliance or an understanding Mm. that they were not the final say. Mm. They can put the seed in the ground. They can do everything right. But that, Mm. that seed might not grow. Mm. We don't, we don't have that. Right. And I mean, and part of this too, is not only the fact that like we, like we're talking about, we live in a very blessed society. Mm Mm-hmm. We're spoiled. I mean, we're blessed, and we thank the Lord for that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no <laughs> sin in that. At the same time, if we're, if it, it, it can have the tendency to dull us spiritually, mm. can't it? Like to dull our senses, and we fall asleep. <laughs> and then um, we forget about the fact that whenever these things happen, it really does hit us right in the face about the fact that there is a judgment coming. This is not the final judgment. Yeah. But there is one coming, and I think it, it should remind us, it, we're thinking about repentance, coming back to God, because there, there is a return of Christ in judgment coming. We should be, and as Christians, we are called to be sober, alert, and ready for his return, right? And sometimes I think, um, is it in the gospel, or is it in uh, John's epistle where he says, uh, do not love the world or the things in the world? Mm-hmm. And I can be far too comfortable in the United States of America being very comfortable. Um, and again, nothing wrong with the U.S. No. Um, nothing wrong with our with material blessings. But if we fall asleep in them, yeah, that's a danger, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, we're not teaching here that you should uh, confess your sin of not having to go plant your garden. I'm not right. saying that, no, right? No, We're just saying we have to look where we live and where God has placed us and see the dangers and the traps. And those are those yeah. are traps for us. Right where we can kind of get lost in that, and and that we're just trying to bring that to light here. I'm sure in the third world countries they have their own traps that that maybe sure. we don't, and that would be very difficult for us if we got thrown into those. That's just what we're bringing up. I, I don't want yeah. anyone to feel guilty for going to the grocery store or anything. I mean, oh. shoot, we were just complaining our spicy chicken sandwich wasn't spicy <laughs> enough, right? Well, yeah. That was our big cross we our, carried yeah. today. <laughs> uh, that was a, it was a rough cross, too. Uh, you know, I think one of the things I was thinking last night, um, you know, tr- traditionally the church, Christians in the history of the church, whenever things like this have happened, we have, the church has responded by real, by understanding this is God's providence and has sought to practice a form of repentance, perhaps fasting and um, self-examination. Christians in the past, that's what we, that's what we used to more do. I've, I was aware of uh, certain churches that are calling for something like that because not necessarily saying that each of us have, you know, this is in response to each individual sin, but, but using this as a wake up call for ourselves, um, and one of the things I think about as Americans is that um, we're fixers to probably, I mean, and, and there's really good things that come with that. We want, like, so for instance, with technology, right, as churches, right, we're thankful that we can use technology to encourage the, our brothers and sisters in the Lord while we're away. But that's not church. And we should also realize that that's, that's not where we want to live our life ordinarily, 
and um, we should long to be together. And I think we get that. But I, I, what I'm trying to say is I think that we as Americans, we were confronted with a problem and we automatically try to fix it instead of perhaps trying to, while loving our neighbor, accepting this as from the Lord and yeah. coming back to him in repentance, hmm. with a, maybe with a broken heart. I, C.S. Lewis has this great quote in which he talks about, it's from the, the problem of pain. And he says this, the human spirit will not even begin to try to surrender self-will as long as all seems to be well with it. Now, error and sin both have this property that the deeper they are, the less their victim suspects their existence. They are masked evil. Pain is unmasked, unmistakable evil. Every man knows that something is wrong when he is being hurt. We can rest contentedly in our sins, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think that, um, I think that's a, that's a very appropriate in line with Jesus's instructions in Luke 13, that when these things come, we should take it as God's megaphone to rouse us. Perhaps even as Christians, we've fallen asleep in ways. Um, we've done this or we've slacked here as a church or maybe as a whole country. I don't know. The Lord knows all those secret things, but it does call for self-examination and prayer. I think ask the Lord. And I think use this time. We've got a lot of time on our hands. And what's ironic is I see, like my wife was telling me all the free things you can do online, but I, I wonder how many of us, myself included, are using that time for seeking the Lord in a more diligent way than we did before. I know, like you, you know, the things that, uh, when this first started, the, the, what flooded at least my social media account were parents that were trying to find things to do with their kids. Like, let's just fill up our day. Like, let's find activities to do. Let's, you know, it's almost like we can't stand the quiet. We have to have something. We have to do we have something. To be distracted. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's understandable. You know, like, you know, Tim, you said it's been chaos at your house. You have more kids than anybody here at the table. And so, like, finding things to do is important. But yeah. part of me has wondered, too, we just can't stand mm. having a simple life with nowhere to go, nothing to do. We have to, we search for things to distract ourselves. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's a thought that's crossed my mind. You know, mm-hmm. when, as you said, Spencer, that it's this is an opportunity that we might have to make our lives a little more simple. Mm-hmm. And so, how are we going to respond to that? I think this is a good point too for us as a staff here to kind of interject into whoever it is listening to this. You know, we've been joking, maybe one or two people, but <laughs> to maybe hear our heart as a staff on why we're doing the things that we're doing. Um, because one of the things that pastors right now are being pressed to do, it seems by, you know, as a church, we're autonomous. We don't have anybody over us, but just other churches and things are acting like we must shove as much content as possible down the throats of our people to let them know that we love them, to let them know that we care about them. We need to be more present in our community ever before, right? We need to be doing this and this and this and like, just seems to be throwing more and more and more on the shoulders of their people and their staffs to where our approach has been different than that on purpose. You know, there's a, there was a reason why we didn't do live services and have a full band. There's a reason we're trying to do videos that are like 20 minutes long, just, just a couple days a week. I know we're doing a special one for a good Friday, um, but trying to limit some of the, some of the content 
is because of what you guys are talking about, right? This, this is something that we recognize as a staff that maybe it's a good time to calm down. You know, we have so many events at this church on the calendar all the time. Every weekend something's going on. We have all this stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm also saying it's not bad to stop and to sit with your family, to have dinner, you know, to be able to read a book, to be able to play games with your kids, to let your kids be chaotic within the house. Like that's, that's fine. And so something I know as being a as being the pastor here, just talking with our staff is trying to remember that. Because we do have a hesitancy to want to throw more and more content. Like even this podcast we're doing, right? Something extra. Uh, we don't expect everybody to listen to it. Um, maybe people will, and that'll be good. And hopefully it helps them in some way, shape, or form. Um, but trying uh, even ourselves to pull back and say, we don't have to keep flooding them with content. Maybe it is a time to sit and reflect and grow closer to our family and grow closer to the Lord that way as well. Um, because I'm sure some people have questions of why maybe we're not doing more. Other churches are. Why aren't you? And that would be my answer. What what you're bringing up. What both of you brought up. Right. Yeah. We're, we're there's a. I think there's a healthy sense in which we try to submit to the Lord's providences. Yeah. And I like. I even see churches. I, I saw. I heard about virtual communion. Right. Yeah. Um, which I I recognize there are brothers and sisters that that can practice that practice that. I disagree with that. I think part of the thing is it acts like this is not happening. Yeah. This is happening. <laughs> we are in a pandemic and we can't get together. And that's, and we can't stand the fact that it's sad in a sense. You yeah. Know, it's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I really hope, I think you guys, like, I hope our church members are like, hurting because they're not together like i hope that that it's not comfortable sure you know that you're just oh i'm I'm actually liking this you know i'm sitting at home (laughs) in my sweats and right eating donuts and listening to the video like why can't this be donuts why can't this be every sunday desserts and getting all fat and (laughs) sassy (laughs) like i hope there's a sense of longing to come back together Mm -hmm. to see how much we need it and how helpful it is because we probably do take for granted yeah. how helpful that really is, yeah. you know? Yeah. How great a homecoming it's going to be when we actually can meet. I hope best. so. I hope it's not just us four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I see you guys enough right now as it is. <laughs> well, just being honest. Boy. <laughs> Man. I was just thinking you guys are pretty great. <laughs> not now. <laughs> so I think the overall thing I think that if I think is... Uh, we use this time, like you said, to slow down. The Lord has shut us down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, to use this time to come back to him in ways perhaps we didn't before, seek the Lord, trust in him. Um, I, uh, you know, read Psalm 46. Uh, our Lord is a fortress for us, a refuge. Read the the other passages of scriptures that that comfort us, but also read those passages which remind us that we have a heavenly Father who wants what is best for us. And um, through this pain, I, there's a Matt will know the song. There's the song um, uh, for in the pain our God draws near. It's through suffering that He speaks. Sometimes we think that He's not. Where is He? He's silent. No, He's talking to us right now through providence. If we will submit to the Scriptures, He's calling us back to Himself into His loving arms. To fire a flame worth more than gold is the next line in that. That's, That's exactly right. What yeah, you just said. exactly, brother. Yeah. So 
we are coming back to the Father, and we hope that we will do this throughout this time, um, examining ourselves so that when we come back, our fellowship will be so much more richer, deeper, sincere, and devoted than perhaps it was before this pandemic. So we repent because we realize this world is not our home. We're looking forward to a, a kingdom that has foundations and to a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We are repenting because we do know that Christ is coming to judge the world and we want other people to come to know him. And we are also repenting because our father is going to renew all things in Christ where there will be no coronavirus. I have one question. I don't know if you're going to bring this up. I don't know how close we are to wrapping up. I'm not sure where we're at time-wise. Go for it. But <clears throat> some people ask, I know they've asked me, and I don't think we've really brought this up specifically. We've alluded to it, but we haven't brought it up specifically. How do you answer people when they say, this is a sign Christ is coming very soon? Right. I um, My personal inclination is to, is to do similar to what... Um, I think with the repent because of this, these things remind us that this world has fallen, that Christ is coming to judge the world. Every, everything like this, every pandemic, every disaster, I think reminds us that he is coming and there is going to be a judgment coming. I'm personally very hesitant to connect any contemporary event to a specific prophecy in the New Testament. I don't know. Um, I'm not comfortable doing that, but I do know that Christ is returning and that this is meant to remind us, like Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, unless you all repent, you will all likewise perish. Yeah. And that, that's going to happen at the second coming, ultimately, right? For <laughs> yeah. judgment. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that. but Well, you know, it's like, I think that's a real question that goes in people's minds. Like, you know, especially when you put it with like the locusts that are happening in, in Africa yeah. right now and all these other things that are going on around the world. Like, are these the signs of the times? Is Jesus coming, you know, because of this? And, you know, it's like when... When John was wrapping up, you know, the revelation, what did, what did he say at the end? What, what was there at the end? He says, he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I think we as Christians, if Jesus is coming soon, we say, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Please. We long for that day, yes. But at the same time, that was said thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, would it make a difference if we use this event in our lives? Like you said, it's unprecedented. This has never happened in our lifetime before. What would it mean for us? What would it mean for our churches? What would would it mean for our families if we let this event change the way we lived our lives to where now we always assume that Jesus is coming soon? Isn't that how we're supposed to live our lives already? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. The early church was supposed to live the same way we're supposed to live which is always knowing that he could show up. Yeah. Right. Expectant, yeah. yeah. Always expectantly. I mean, you know, that's just the, the point of that, right. was to say, you know, just be ready and, and stay sober, stay vigilant because um, we have a sinful tendency to become lazy. Yeah. Any other and, thoughts? And I'm not a history buff, Spencer, you are more than me, but I mean, we could go back in history, right. And point to numerous things where people could say the exact same thing, right. the wars, all the crusades, world war one, world war two. Yeah. yeah, all these different things that happen. And so it's no different than than now. And so I just wanted to bring that up. It's kind of funny. You know, I have people who say that within our church. I also have people within our church who say, we're overblowing this. This is nothing. Grow mm. up, you know, get over it. You kind of have mm. kind of have both camps, which is which is interesting. And right. So. Yeah, no, we're trying to navigate mm-hmm. um, both those. And you're right. There's it's um, 
it's, those are questions that people have. And I think that, you know, they're, they're sincere questions. They're good questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, the reality is, though, I think the, the Bible's just not that clear on some of these yeah. things. And the point is, is just be ready. Mm-hmm. Trust in Christ. Repent. Um, th- this world is not going to be perfect. Yeah. And, but we're looking for one that is. But um, one of the blessings of this time is we get to do things like this, yeah. right? This podcast like this, to answer questions like this that sure. normally we simply would not have the time to do yeah. or be able to do. And so what a blessing from God in the midst of you know, in the midst of this pandemic to be able to sit and talk about things that maybe people have wondered for a long time. And hopefully through this Avenue, yeah. you know, they have the four of us sitting here trying to answer that question the best we can. Sure. So that's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. We hope it's been encouraging to you. Um, if you would like to follow us, you can do so at mmbconline.org. Um, the uh, Together in Christ podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google, etc. Thank you for listening today. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.